What's up, everyone? Hello, welcome back to another episode of Space Talk. I'm your host, Athena Brentsberger, and some of you might know me as Astro Athens. Uh, so if you guys are new to Space Talk, uh, this is literally uh, a podcast all about what the title sounds like, which is space stuff. Um, so speaking of space stuff, there's some breaking news of something that came out today in uh, the public eye that I'm going to talk just very briefly about because I want to do another episode about that tomorrow. And it is the first image of the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. Yeah. So Sagittarius A, which is at the center of the Milky Way galaxy, uh, was imaged. And we, we got the very first image. And it was taken by um, the Event of a Horizon Telescope, which was the same telescope that imaged the first ever black hole that we've ever seen by a picture before. And this was um, of M81. So it's at the center of the M81 galaxy. So we're going to chat a little bit about that more tomorrow. But uh, I encourage you to, to, to do your own reading Go look this up. Um, super, like, just, yeah, again, I think groundbreaking news. Really exciting. Um, I, like, <laughs> literally saw this maybe, like, a minute or two after the article had been published and um, was, like, I'm literally going to just give it, like, two, maybe an maybe an hour and all of Instagram is going to be filled with it of the same green screen of the same picture. <laughs> so I just was like, I'm not even going to try to try to cover it. I'm just going to like, you know, just sort of let it do its stream uh, as as usual on the world of social media. And uh, sure enough, there it is being covered by by every every uh, sitecomer in the world. So it is a super, super cool, exciting thing. This is why. Um, and uh, if you haven't heard about it yet, this is your first time hearing about it. Well, awesome. That's pretty exciting. Again, just go ahead, look up the picture yourself. It's super cool. Um, or, you know, look up some articles. There's tons of publications that are out right now that are chatting all about that. But that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to be talking about rocket launches that are happening this month, because um, as usual, there are quite a bit. And uh, typically, I'll do this episode um, sometime in the last few days of, of the month for the upcoming month, uh, but just completely forgot to, to talk about this. So here we are uh, in this episode of 71, which I am still so surprised that we've done so many episodes here on Space Talk. Um so glad you guys are, are enjoying it. So let's see. Also, hello uh, to everyone who's here. What's up, Mario? What's up, Cartavia? And what's up, Grant? Just noticed you popped in the in the chat. Um, hello. So as we usually like to kind of start our Space Talk episodes, it's uh, typically around some kind of thing, what, it, what our favorite thing is. So let's see. Since the first image of the Milky Way galaxy's black hole was shared this morning, um, this is going to be a little bit of a niche question, and you might not have an answer to it, and that's okay. But what's your favorite thing about a black hole? What is your favorite thing? And we sometimes talk about really random things like what's your favorite animal or uh, what kind of, you know, what do you like the most about space or what do you dislike the most about space? Um, but this question is going to be a little bit easier, I guess, or, or more difficult. So for me, uh, what, what I like the most about a black hole is uh, – probably the the mystery that resides within the black hole itself uh there's there's a whole bunch of ideas and theories of what actually is going on just based on the behavior around a black hole um the fact that once objects get past the event horizon or the point of no return 
um, they will fall into the black hole, whether it's stars or other objects, uh, maybe, I don't know, uh, a toothbrush. Who knows what can be residing around a black hole? Probably not a toothbrush, but once it falls in, and the reason it's called the point of no return is because the escape velocity, meaning the speed in which an object needs to move in order to escape the gravitational pull of the black hole is greater than the speed of light. And as of right now, there is no speed that we are aware of that is faster than the speed of light, let alone can us, you know, objects made of atoms even move at the speed of light because light is made up of massless particles known as photons. And so would we in turn end up being converted into strictly energy and not be physical matter anymore? And that's, that's sort of the, the, the paradox here um, and sort of the, the, the dis discrepancy of being able to try to escape the pull of a black hole. And so because of this, uh, I think that's my favorite thing is sort of that mystery of what happens inside of a black hole. And of course, there's theories like spaghettification, which is you getting pulled in all different directions. Um, and the, the increase of density that resides at the very core of the black hole. Think of it like a funnel uh, ripping through the fabric of space-time. And the possibility of that actually connecting to an Einstein-Rosen bridge or a wormhole and then connecting to the opposite end, which would be the opposite of a black hole, a white hole. And this is hypothetical, uh, but the wormhole is 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 theoretical because it's, it's basically proven by math uh, in Einstein's theory of general and special relativity, where he, he chats a little bit about this. Um, so if you guys ever want to look into that, it's pretty cool. We should do an episode on GR, actually. We haven't, we haven't done that. Br bring on some experts who know a little bit way more than I do, actually, not even a little bit, way more than I do in, in that field, because uh, that's where it gets really interesting is, is theoretical physics. But today is rocket launches. So uh, we're going to chat first about kind of the most recent changes uh, that have come to, to launches, launches that have been delayed and postponed, uh, such as my beloved Falcon Heavy, which uh, I, I don't even see on the chart anymore. It must have really gotten pushed, I think, until August. Um, Oh yeah, here it is. It's actually in in June, late June is when it's estimated. But we're going to be talking about May. So first off, I just want to prompt the chat a little bit. Where are you guys based? Um, is anyone based on a space coast? So either uh, Florida or um, may maybe even uh, Wallops Island in uh, Virginia, or are you based possibly uh, on the West Coast? where there may be launches coming out of Vandenberg Air Force Base? Um, or are you based in, in Texas, uh, right on the on the coast by Boca Chica or Brownsville, where you could be catching some of Starship, which is really cool. I, I, I've got to go down there. I can't, I, you know what? I'm going to note to self right now. I'm going to actually plan a trip um, to... Boca Chica to Starbase uh, because that is just like I've been in Texas now for three months and I have not gone there. Um, anyway, okay, Miami, awesome. Ooh, right on. Okay, so you're super close, uh, Grant, to to the launches. Um, I'm not sure if you'd actually be able to visibly see any from Miami, but if you went up to over by Orlando or just go straight to the Cape at that point, um, you should definitely be able to see launches. Um, have you seen any launches, Grant, in the past? anything at all like uh let's see maybe uh we've got the atlas 5 rocket is still launching quite a lot 
Um, of course, Falcon 9 is part of SpaceX. That launches almost every week. There's like several Falcon 9 launches. In fact, the first three Falcon 9, first three launches of May are Falcon 9. <laughs> Not even a surprise. And they're all for Starlink, the, the Constellation satellites. Um, pretty rare to see them in Miami, but I've seen them on the turnpike while driving. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's really awesome. Was it like just super far in the distance? Uh, I can't imagine being able to see it uh, well enough where it, it doesn't look like anything other than probably just a bright light in the sky. Uh, when I've seen it, it looks like a sunrise, which is pretty cool. Oh, no, too much light pollution. Oh, darn, you got to get a, a light pollution filter if you are going to be using a camera or a telescope for this. Okay, let's see what the other comments, by the way, Mars Planet. What I like the most about black holes would have to be the concept of a singularity. They really uh, comment on the relationship between math and physics, and I don't really understand them yet. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I was going to mention the, the the singularity, and that's that's something that um, I still try to wrap my mind around. Um, but from my understanding, it's like a point where it's the the – increase in density it becomes like infinitely dense the more mass that starts to fall in uh but then there's also the sing the you know, the point of singularity which is like you know right before the big bang which was and there was like you know a concept of potentially you know absolutely nothing that had existed um which is really interesting but let me look up real quick actually black hole singularity because there was a point that i was able to really visualize it and now I'm just like, I, I know it's considered to be that like very, the, the furthest down tip of the black hole. The singularity at the center of a black hole is the ultimate no man's land, a place where matter is compressed down to an infinitely tiny point. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like what I said. Uh, and the conceptions of time and space completely break down and it doesn't really exist. That's hard to conceptualize, that last part. The concepts of time and space completely break down and it doesn't really exist. How do we even imagine that when our whole life has been dictated by time and space? Uh, it, it just really boggles my mind. The best way probably to represent that would be mathematically or computationally, um, just because I don't think we even can. Mathematically probably would be helpful, but now with computers, you could probably really create this as like a, a simulation visually for our our mere brains to, to understand as we are very visual beings. Um, but that's super cool. Awesome. At Astro KV says spaghettification, uh, whole Instagram was filled with it. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally filled with it. Um, awesome. Right on. Okay. So let's jump into these launches that are happening. So first, some of the changes uh, were, it was, let's see, it says, let me first share the link with you guys because I love doing that. Here is Spaceflight Now, one of my favorite go-to sources for launches, uh, not only because they kind of have a calendar of all the launches, but they also have different live streams and articles, and I get push notifications on the app. So I download the app on my phone, and it lets me know once you know a launch happens. It also lets me know an hour before the launch happens. And uh, depending on kind of what the launch is, you know, which is usually it's putting some type of you know, spacecraft, cargo, or satellite into an orbit, or it could be people as well on a spacecraft. It'll also let us know when orbital insertion happens, uh, when the different stages happen, when, say, the Crew Dragon capsule docks the International Space Station. So it really kind of gives you a breakdown of all the different steps that happen during a rocket launch, um, which is pretty nice. I like that a lot. 
So it says it right here. You could, you know, read it yourself. The latest changes. If you are reading along with me, May 11th, 10th, 9th, and the 4th have all been postponed launches. Uh, these were Falcon 9 launches um, for Starlink. You're going to see Starlink quite a lot. Um, and this is, as I mentioned before, if you haven't heard about Starlink or haven't seen it in the news yet, first off, where have you been? <laughs> it's, it's, I feel like it's literally everywhere. I hear people at coffee shops talking about Starlink. Um, you also could see it in the night sky, but also totally, uh, also like I, I would almost be jealous. So no shame to you, because if you haven't heard about it, then it means you probably don't spend a lot of time kind of reading the news and the media and, and uh, that's it's it's arguable of whether or not that's actually a good thing or or you know to be to be consuming so much news. It's probably a better thing to not consume so much all the time. Uh, stay up to date to, to date, but there's a good balance. So Starlink is this constellation satellite that uh, is going to be kind of like a. It's going to look kind of like a web, like a spider's web around the Earth. Although there is no physical connection between each satellite, there is only like a. Uh, non-physical connections. So it's like transmitting uh, broadband and radio waves and able to uh, help uh, kind of have places all over the world have really high-speed internet connections, which is really helpful, um, especially in a, in a world that's pretty dominated by the internet. And the way I look at it as, although that, you know, for sure is going to cause some issues, you know, interference, maybe uh, some more space junk, I'm hopeful that with space junk missions and future drag sales, we'll be able to clean up some of this stuff. Uh, but the other thing is um, in the sort of stage of human evolution right now with technology becoming so much more prominent. I mean, it's literally at our fingertips at all times. It's how I can speak with all of you guys around the world. It's go going to play a very vital role in kind of our next stage of evolution. And I think also our ways of uh, innovating and interpreting things of reality. And if you want to really dive into that a little bit, I won't go too much. But if you've ever heard of a, a person <laughs> named Stephen Wolfram, a, a brilliant uh, 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 physicist, he and so many other things too, like, but, but he, he's the one who developed Mathematica and he is now working on something called the physics project. Uh, he, he shared a really interesting tweet recently kind of about uh, humanity's perceptions of reality and how that's changed over time. And he named them the different paradigms. And you sort of have like the abstract understanding of, of sort of concepts, visualizations, the real world, like physical geometry and, and, and uh, shapes. And then it goes into mathematical computational and then multi-computational paradigm. And it's kind of like tying back to what I just mentioned of how to sort of um, comprehend something like a black hole singularity, how to comprehend these weird things. How do you remove space and time? How do you even conceptualize that? It might be tough with our sort of way that our, our biological brains really work, but with the help and the aid of technology and computers, uh, at things like coding, we can now reach new levels of, of understanding. And I think this will then lead to big advancements and shifts in um, sort of handling or, or coping with things like everyday problems, or maybe even evolving to, to next levels of humanity, living on other planets, involving uh, our species, making sure our species also doesn't die out, uh, which is a really important factor too. Because at any moment, if nuclear war did happen, uh, that could really jeopardize the survival of our species. And so this is why I think things like this are, are very important. 
Um, but that's just, that's just, that's just my own thoughts. Maybe I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in my second show. I just started called free thoughts. Um, but just want to say hello. I see a, a, a new friend who joined us. Edward, what's up? If you want to join us in the chat, um, I prompted us with the question today of, uh, what is your favorite thing about black holes? Uh, in, in, you know, spirit of the first picture that was ever taken of the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way. Okay, so launches. Um, let's see, the first launch that's going to be happening that's scheduled is for May 13th, the Falcon 9 uh, rocket, which is what I kind of mentioned earlier. It's a SpaceX rocket. I believe the one, the most recent configuration is the Block 5, meaning it's just like, kind of up to date. Imagine like you've taken an American Airlines flight before and you've been on the plane, a Boeing 747. Uh, actually, I don't know if American Airlines makes Boeing. Bo no, Boeing is a different company. But if you've been on an American Airlines, American Eagle plane, that's that's a, a plane you might have been on. Usually flies to smaller regional airports. If you've been on that, maybe like, I don't know, 10 years ago, and you go on it now, sometimes you might be on a newer version of the American Airlines American Eagle airplane. Similarly, the Falcon 9 rocket Block 5 configuration is just like an upgraded version of the rocket. So maybe there's like a few things that are tweaked, a few things that are fixed, stuff like that. But it still has the nine engines. That's why it has the number nine um, that, you know, really allows for the rocket to uh, do its thing, to lift off and to deliver the, whatever the payload is to wherever it needs to go. Uh, this is also a reusable rocket. So this is the, you know, kind of the, the, the trademark rocket of today that uh, lands and creates these really awesome images and videos of a booster landing. So this is kind of the first half of the rocket that will land. And it lands at a few different places. So this one specifically, this is gonna be launching out of Vandenberg Air Force Base, which is in California. Um, I got to see a launch here once before. And this one is going to be a Starlink launch. This will be happening at about 6.07 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So that's 3.07 p.m. Pacific Time on May 13th. So if you want to go ahead and catch that. And typically these launches that launch out of the uh, West Coast, California, that first stage booster will land in the ocean, but on a drone ship. Uh, and this one is called, uh, actually, they might have changed the name of it, but it used to be called, of course, I still love you. I have a t-shirt that says it and has like the giant SpaceX logo on it. Pretty cool. It was a Christmas present, I think, <laughs> or birthday, one or the other. Um, and uh, something else pretty cool is there's a giant ship called the, the Mr. Steven SpaceX. I'm going to pull it up real quick on the, my giant, um, my giant monitor. Uh, so the, the Mr. Stephen uh, ship, it's called the, the Mr. Stephen McCall vessel, uh, is really cool to see in person. I got to see it in person once in Florida. And it has a massive net on it. And that net catches the nose cone. So the nose cone, think of it like an eggshell. The very top of the rocket, uh, the nose cone separates and falls down to Earth. And it will usually fall into the ocean, but they'll try to catch it on this this moving giant vessel, um, and it'll have a uh, parachute attached to it. And then imagine that the egg yolk inside and the egg whites is the cargo, whatever it is. So either it's um, a uh, like a spacecraft or it's a satellite 
or it's something that like it's, you know, toilet paper and food for the astronauts on the space station. It literally can be almost anything. And so that's sort of how, how that works. And But this is going to be for Starlink. So it's going to be 53 Starlink uh, internet satellites that will be compressed. And then uh, once the nose cone falls off and the additional engine attached to these satellites, it's going to be like they're still going to be kind of compressed together. Once they get put into their orbit called orbital insertion, they will then be deployed. So they'll all separate and their solar panels will start to open. I think I think actually they have solar panels. Let's see. Starlink satellites. That's typically what would uh, power a lot of these. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's like a, you should guys should look up these pictures. It's pretty cool. The solar panels will then deploy and unfold and uh, they'll be located all over all over the planet. There's a bunch of um, images, too, that people have seen the Starlink satellites passing overhead. And it, it upset a lot of astronomers. Uh, to be honest, it doesn't really bother me. I guess growing up in New York and just dealing with so much crazy light pollution, I'm just happy to see like five stars and and like a few planets now. Uh, I can see a lot more because I'm in the big, big skies of Texas, um, which is pretty cool. And uh so, so something like this, if it goes by for a brief moment, it's like, it's, it's fine. It's not like as if it's all the time. So that's that, that is May 13th. And then there's going to be another launch by, by SpaceX, um, of another Starlink, uh, set of satellites happening on May 14th. And then on May 18th, yet again, another launch of satellites, but these last two are going to be out of the Cape. So this is going to be, uh, in Cape Canaveral, Florida. The first one is going to launch off of uh, Slick 40 or the, uh, the Launch Pad 40, and that is part of the Space Force Station. The one on May 18th is going to be launching off of Launch Complex 39A, which I think is what used to launch Apollo. Uh, wait, actually, wait, when was LC-39A? I just want to do a little bit of, of history for you guys. Um, I don't think this was the space shuttle. So I believe the space shuttles were... This one was, I know the Saturn V. Okay, this is a Saturn V rocket launch vehicle. And Saturn V is what launched uh, the Apollo missions. So a little, little fun fact there. Also launched the space shuttles um, and Falcon 9, Falcon Heavy as well. And then it also lists here that Starship may be launched off of there, which is interesting because Starship is not in Florida. So maybe there'll be another Starship that'll launch there in the future. So you might ask, uh, actually, I don't know, do any of you guys know why it is that uh, launches will happen from different areas uh, on the coasts in the country? And while I ask that question, I'm going to read through some of your comments here. Looks like we've got, Grant says, it was really vivid from the turnpike. I didn't know about the Cape. Might have thought it was one of the Navy's not identified flying objects. Yeah. Uh, and then... Astro KV, while I was doing citizenship asteroid activity, I found a trail of Starlink satellites. Most probably it was, I guess. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, I bet it looked I bet it looked interesting. Um I definitely have, have not seen them, but I, I would like to see them one day. I think it'd be pretty cool. Um so as far as uh the different launches happened out of, of different locations, um it kind of depends on where in the orbit around Earth, uh, these satellites need to go to. So if they need to go to a certain region uh, that is, you know, closer to 
Earth while it's orbiting, like well, so while Earth is rotating, if you launch something from, say, California, for instance, and you launch it in the direction of the rotation of Earth, it's going to be able to, it's going to basically sync up with the rotation of Earth if you want it to. So depending on kind of how you would control the, the you know, the thrust or you would control the engines. But if you put it in the opposite direction of the rotation of Earth, you then can get a full like scan if it's a if it's a, an, a satellite that is actually tracking or monitoring the planet. Maybe it's an Earth science satellite. Maybe it's a spy satellite. It'll be able to then image the globe with like just while it launches. It won't need to move super fast to catch up. All it has to do is move at like it's you know consistent whatever mile per hour speed or kilometer per hour actually is, is why well, either way, but. Um, most of the time, that's just what 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 it, what it, what's being used by uh, by these standards, and that's just just because it's a little bit more mainstream. Uh, using the metric system makes a little bit more more sense. It's a it is definitely more it's it's inter, it's international, and so I, I still don't exactly know why here in the U.S. we use uh, the imperial system, but whatever. Um, so if you're moving in with the opposite direction of Earth, you can actually end up getting a whole you know, image of, of the planet as it's rotating. And so kind of just depends on which area they need to kind of insert these satellites into. So then we move forward. Uh, we've got, so we said 13th, 14th, and 18th, and then May 19th is an Atlas V rocket launch. I got to catch an Atlas V rocket launch before. The Atlas V launched the, um, it was, oh gosh, what was the name of that? It wasn't perseverance it was the mars lander i'm forgetting the name right now but off the top of my head either way uh the atlas 5 rocket really powerful rocket um i believe its manufacturer is the united yes yeah, is right here united launch alliance um so that was pretty cool if any of you guys are like you know totally into this stuff uh you should apply to nasa socials um, this is how I've got to the chance to do these things. I've got to interview people from United Launch Alliance, from Boeing, from Lockheed Martin, uh, at Northrop Grumman, um, just because of, of these programs. They will basically open their doors to media and social media. Uh, just have, if you have a social media account, it, it doesn't even matter if you have like a huge following or what you're kind of, if you, you don't have to be talking about space. Um, my last one, I was actually with like a super famous basketball player. I don't remember his name, but everyone knew who he was. And I just don't really watch basketball. And um, and a fashion blogger. And then like, you know, a bunch of other people, some artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, businessmen, women, and uh, like all these different different walks of life, which was really cool. Um, and again, not everyone had like, you know, a really big following. It doesn't necessarily matter. They just sort of want you to experience this and share that with, you know, your friends and family and and kind of get more people interested in uh, what's happening when it comes to space and launches and why it matters. So with that being said, uh, it's it's a really cool program. I highly recommend signing up for it. Uh, they're always doing applications. I haven't signed up for one in a while, but um, Atlas V rocket was how I was able to see that. This is going to be the Starliner orbital flight test number two. So it's titled CS. Uh, CST 100. Uh, Starliner is, I think it's going to be a, yeah, it's Boeing, the Boeing Starliner. So that it is going to be one of the spacecraft 
that is、uh, going to be hopefully launching astronauts to the space station. So, this is going, it says right here that it's going to be a, an unpiloted test flight,、uh, just as the Crew Dragon through SpaceX、uh, also underwent a very similar precaution or launch、uh, demonstration mission. You want to be able to make sure that these spacecraft are able to launch and perform optimally and be safe for when there are human beings on the, on the、uh, rocket on, in the spacecraft. So, this is going to be a pretty exciting、uh, test flight, for, especially for Boeing.、Um, And I think that they're going to aim to have, gosh, I don't even know when they're planning to have the first mission with people on it, but hopefully it'll be in the coming year.、Uh, but either way, that's going to be really exciting. And with, you know, the Starliner and with、uh, Crew Dragon,、uh, prices are just really going to start to come down, I think, more and more for these launches. Because in case you didn't know, before. People were launching to space on the Crew Dragon spacecraft.、Um, astronauts from the United States would launch on a Soyuz rocket, and it would cost about $81 million per seat、uh, that, that the US would pay to Russia in order to launch、uh, astronauts to the space station. So now it's pretty cool that we have、uh, two private, well, one private, well, actually, is Boeing private? I think Boeing is kind of like a Boeing space company. I think they're still considered a, a private company, but、um, they might have like public shares.、Uh, let's see, they have defense. They have a cool website actually here. I'm going to share this link with you guys so you can, you can sort of check this out. It's literally just Boeing.com. But if y'all want to check that out, there's that link. Okay, how are we doing on time? We're at 30 minutes. I'm sorry if I'm rambling so much, but.、Um, Uh, there's just like so many things to talk about when it comes to these missions. So, as far as what else is happening this month,、uh, it sort of just has a few of these listed. You might see it on the website on Space Flight Now,、uh, where they just say May as to be determined as far as the actual、uh, launch date and time are.、Uh, also, apologies, I did not say when the Atlas V launch is going to be. That'll be、uh, out of the Cape in Florida. And this is going to be on May 19th at about 6 54 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Launching off of Launch Complex 41. So, if you want to catch that and you're in that area, these other ones are let's see. So, we've got a demonstration launch、uh, coming from ISRO. So, India, shout out, shout out there. I know we've got someone in the audience listening in from India. So, this is going to be at the,、uh, the Satish Dhawan Space Center.、Uh, and this is going to be of their SSLV. Rocket. This is going to be its first orbital test flight.、Uh, the SSLV stands for Small Satellite Launch Vehicle. So the name is pretty straightforward Small Satellites.、Uh, it's going to be launching smaller payloads. So probably microsats and nanosats, possibly cubesats as well. I don't exactly know how big cubesats are, but.、Um, They're going to be smaller satellites. And that's really good because a lot of these other launch vehicles are, you know, for. Heavy payload, like people. People are heavy and we need a lot of things. We're very fragile and demanding as humans. So we need, you know, lots of things. But a small satellite doesn't need much. So it doesn't need a big rocket.、Uh, so this is, this is going to be really huge, I think, for India. This is going to bring in a lot of contracts. This is going to bring in a lot of different,、um, just a partnerships, I think, around the world with. 
different people who are who are creating uh, satellites, and it can be huge companies, but it also can be universities and schools who are running their own, you know, research projects that are happening in space. So to launch uh, this and to have this being launching out of India, I think is going to be really huge for um, not just the space program, for, but for the economy uh, and for so many different things also in the future of space. So kudos to them. Uh, this is going to be also carrying small satellites to low Earth orbit. So that's going to be that's going to be super exciting. Uh, right now, it does say to be determined uh, for when that launch is going to be happening. There has been a few delays on it, but which is you know typical. You'll see that in almost all of these launches, launches get delayed. It happens, especially when you're developing something that hasn't been developed before. Uh, I mean, rockets have been developed, but specifically, you know, this rocket and for the space agency, this is something that's slightly new. So when it comes to creating these things, sometimes they just take a little bit of time. Then we've got uh, May 25th, another Falcon 9 launch happening out of Florida of Transporter 5. I don't know what this is, so we're going to learn together. Transporter 5 mission is a rideshare flight. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, to a sun-synchronous orbit with numerous small mi- oh, microsatellites and nanosatellites for commercial and government customers. Okay, so so rideshare flight. Uh, I got really excited at first. I was like, oh, does it mean like a bunch of people? But it doesn't. It means a bunch of satellites. Uh, so they're ride-sharing with each other. And uh, this is... Oh, interesting. It says it moved to Cape Canaveral from Vandenberg Air Force Base. So... Guess they decided not to launch out of out of California, um, but they now are launching out of Florida, and it'll be landing the first stage booster as usual with the Falcon 9 rocket to landing zone one, which is going to be at the Cape Canaveral Space Force Station, and this one is a little different than the of course I still love you uh, drone ship in the water because this one is on the land, but it is you know a still a landing zone which is pretty cool. Alrighty, last two things we've got here are uh, elect- the Electron rocket. Yes, I have a 3D printed model right next to me. I'm going to pick it up even though you guys can't see it. Um, pretty cool. Elect- uh, the Electron rocket, I think, is a lot smaller than other rockets. Let's see. I'm going to count the 3D printed model engines right now. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine engines on this rocket. And uh, this is through... Um, Oh gosh, what was this company called again? Rocket Lab. Rocket Lab. So this, the rocket's all black. It looks pretty cool. Uh, they're actually, I think, probably the only ones who really have a rocket that uh, th- that looks like this, which is pretty uh, easy to then pinpoint and know that it's uh, the Electron rocket. And this launches out of New Zealand. So if anyone is in New Zealand, in yeah, I've always wanted to go there, uh, but they have very crazy weather. So uh, not surprised that this also has had some delays. But this is going to be launching on May 31st. The time is to be determined. So maybe, you know, put a little reminder for yourself, uh, either on the Rocket Lab website or their YouTube channel or just on Space Flight Now, or just check out Everyday Astronaut because he always covers launches. Maybe he covers these. I'm not sure about, about Rocket Lab. I'm sure he chats about it, but I don't think he's gone to New Zealand to cover them. But, uh, so this is going to be NASA's Cislunar Autonomous Positioning System Technology Operations and Navigation Experiment. That's why it's called Capstone, um, because it's just it's so many, so many words. So it's just been turned into an acronym. 
um, or this was a backronym, meaning uh, they they liked the name Capstone and decided to kind of come up with a way to put enough words to fit it. But either way, it's going to be a mission to the moon. The goal is to fly the moon on Rocket Lab's Photon Space Tug, entering a unique halo-like lunar orbit to test deep space navigation and communications in the same orbit to be used by NASA's Gateway Mini Space Station. This also moved from Launch Complex 2 in Virginia to Launch Complex 1 in New Zealand. Interesting. Oh, okay. So that, that was uh, what I also had mentioned before about Virginia. So there are launches sometimes that happen out of there. Um, but this one, it looks like it was going to be in Virginia, and it's now going to be in New Zealand. Alrighty. Um, so that is everything. Uh, the rest of it then goes into June, except one possibly that might be, it's either to be determined for May or June, not too sure, but it is uh, also through ISRO. And this is Black Sky Global. And this would be the first uh, commercial mission with four Earth observation satellites for Black Sky Global, which is a Seattle-based company. And this would be a rideshare mission as well um, on that small satellite launch vehicle through ISRO, as we mentioned before. So pretty exciting. Uh, so fingers crossed for that first uh, demonstration launch to be happening for the SSLV, because then this first commercial mission is going to be probably pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome to catch. It's going to be really huge for India, I think. And so I really look forward to when that happens. I look forward to when uh, the Electron Capstone mission happens. And of course, all of these Atlas V and Falcon 9 missions as well. Alrighty, so that is about everything. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode uh, and listening in. I will be uh, rescheduling a few, or I, you might have seen if you are subscribed to the show, quite a few changes for the schedule, just because whenever I think of a new topic or episode I want to talk about, I'll schedule a stream. But with the breaking news of the supermassive black hole image coming out, I'm kind of rearranging a few things. So that's going to be tomorrow. So if you want to tune into that, I'm probably going to still do it at 3 p.m. Central Time, as I usually do. I know it's pretty early for some of you. So thanks for sticking around for that. Um, and I'll be scheduling that for tomorrow. So if you want to learn a little bit about this first image of this black hole from our galaxy, tune in tomorrow to learn a little bit more. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much again for joining this episode. I hope you get to get outside and look up at the sky and maybe you'll catch a launch or maybe you'll see a deep sky object. But either way, uh, just try to reconnect yourself to the cosmos if you can and do some stargazing this week. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. And until next time, add Astra.